Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Friday, the 21st of May, and we're brought to you, as always, by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access American Netflix, keeps your data safe. LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland and shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, we are brought to you by the EPL Index Shop. If you are a Manchester City fan and you want the new badge to say that your team is the Premier League champion, the iron-on badge for your jersey, check out EPL Index Shop. There's plenty of good stuff there. There's Harry Kane Cups. There's a whole line of stuff coming out. There's going to be a shop on Etsy, EPL Index shop. It's very, very good. Right, folks, it is Friday, which means I'm joined by the wonderful Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am cold because I got caught in the rain whilst walking my dog. So it's been a good day. That is a good day. And I believe you are now fully vaccinated. I am. I am. I just got to wait. I think it kicks in after 12 days or so. That's what my dad says, but he's more sceptic than I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, any any side effects? Any flu? Anything like that? No, I think first time I was had a headache, uh, but this time my arms just saw where they stabbed me, so that's better, I suppose. <laughs> I like the use of the word stab. Yeah, not jab, <laughs> it's stab. Inject you makes or jab you. Makes you sound like a big boy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Right, we have the last round of Premier League games, Guy. We have made it through an entire season. We have, and how this season started by every Friday. I mean, the first time you did a whole pod, thought it was crap, then made me re-record it for you, and that's how the Friday show started. Yes, that is exactly true. So the very first one of these that we did on a Friday, I did it without Guy. I recorded it. We, 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 Guy recorded it for me, uh, and it was basically me rambling incessantly for like, 90 minutes 
Ended it. Yeah. That's fine. Wasn't happy with it. Called him back and said, can we re-record that? Will you help me? So that's how the Friday show came about. So for the last time this season, but not for the last time, uh, let's jump into these games. Absolutely. And as most people are probably aware of, all the games are on four on Sunday. I'll I'll point out the BT ones because most of them are on Sky. But first off, we're going alphabetically. So we've got Arsenal v Brighton in... Can Arsenal finish Europa League or is it just the conference thingy? I'm not sure what the race for Europa League is. So Arsenal are currently ninth. They are one point behind Everton and Tottenham. They can get into the Europa Conference League if they win and the other two teams lose. They are, or, or don't win. If, if both Tottenham and Everton draw and Arsenal win, Arsenal will get Europa Conference League football. So it's um, a bit... It's, I mean, because the game will be in check. A Brighton games usually are fun. But if you're Arsenal, if you're an Arsenal fan or an Arsenal manager, do you, you want to be in this Europa League? I think a couple shows ago we mentioned maybe it's a good thing for a team like Spurs. But Arsenal, they're not in a huge cup drought. They won the FA Cup last season, so it's not really necessary. I mean, winning a European Cup, but somewhat a European Cup would be nice. But I think Arsenal prefer a clean slate at top four. Wouldn't they? I think they would. I think they'd prefer no European football and a clear run at the league and domestic cups. Um, now, look, if Arteta is is a Pep Guardiola type, you know, trophy collector, maybe he would want in. I don't know. I don't think it would have a huge impact on recruitment. I don't imagine it will help the budget. So. You know, like I don't know that you're turning around to a player and going, "Well, you can play in the Europa uh, Conference League for us." I don't think that'll sell them any more than you can come and play in the Premier League for us. So, mm. I I don't think it really matters to them. But what will matter to them, and what what will be on their mind, is they would very much like to finish above Tottenham, because considering how poor Arsenal have been for long spells this season, if they could finish above Tottenham, it would at least be something for their fans to sing and shout about uh, on the final day of the season. So I do think that'll factor in. Brighton, I mean, you could see them potentially being on the beach, not really having, like they got their big win over City, so maybe they'll be content. Um, Injury-wise, Arsenal have uh, have three players out. Matt Ryan can't play because obviously Brighton own him. David Luiz is unlikely to play. And this would be his last game anyway. So I, unless you want him to have the chance to say goodbye to the fans, but I'm, I'm not really sure he's you know done enough over his tenure there to warrant that. Uh, and Hector Bellerin is out, so Arsenal will be fairly strong. I mean, losing Louise doesn't really matter. Cedric will step in for Bellerin, so they'll be fairly strong, close to full strength. For Brighton, they've got a number of players out. So, uh, Mope is out after his temper tantrum got him sent off uh, a couple of weeks ago. Joel Veltman is likely out. Lewis Dunk is suspended. No, Lewis Dunk is back. Sorry, Lewis Dunk is back. He got a one-game ban. So, he's back. Davy Proper is unlikely to play. Solly March is unlikely to play. Danny Welbeck is a doubt. And Tariq Lamptey is out. So, they're missing a lot. I'm going to go home win here. I think home win is the is the safer bet. Now, I was asked yesterday 
to pick one young player under 21, I think that's what it was, to play or at least feature in the game for every Premier League team. So for Arsenal, the player I'm going to go for is Marcelo Flores, the young Canadian. He's like a Mexican-Canadian, a winger, really, really talented player, can play as a 10 or either flank, super talented having a very good season in their under-18 team. Now, it might be too young, like too early for him, but I don't see that there'll be any harm in having him on the bench and letting him get five minutes at the end of the game. I think he'd be an interesting one to see. For Brighton, I'll go Michael Karbonik, the left-back that they brought in from Poland. He's been on the bench a few times. He's got no Premier League appearances so far. I think he's played a couple of um, Premier League 2 games and he did play in the FA Cup. He was brought in along with Jacob Modder. Modder has played. This kid hasn't. I'd like to see him play because they do need a left back and maybe he can be the answer in that position. So he's the one I want to see for Brighton. But I'm going to go with a 3-1 Arsenal win. Yeah, just an interesting one, as you say. I think if Brighton didn't have that Mad City game, maybe they would have thought, a good chance to have a nice send-off against Arsenal, but I don't think you're going to top a 3-0, a 3-0 comeback from, uh, against City, are you? So, yeah. Um, moving on then, uh, Villa v Chelsea, and this is one of the games with a bit more meaning than the, the Conference of Anorama thing. Um, Villa-Chelsea. Um, Villa looked alright, looked quite good the other day against Tottenham. Maybe that was more down to Tottenham than Villa, because <laughs> Tottenham were a mess. And Chelsea, they got that needed win over Leicester. Mm. Um, still, Timo Werner has a weird off, uh, relationship with the offside line. Timo Werner has put the ball in the back of the net 26 times this year in the Premier League and had 14 of them ruled out. Jesus. Like, that's a fair effort. That takes a, That's a particular skill to be offside that much. Now, a couple of them were handball and things like that, but that is a spectacular ability to live offside. It's very people uh, in Zaggy. I was going to say, I was going to say. In, the, the, the Inzaghi brothers, if VAR had existed when the Inzaghi brothers played, neither of them would have scored more than five goals a season because they were just always offside and just constantly got away with it. And the 2007 Champions League final would have turned out differently as well. Um, this is obviously a huge game for Chelsea. They need to win to guarantee themselves top four. But they've got the Champions League final next weekend. So they've got to have one eye on that while still getting the job done here. Villa don't have anything to play for. Villa are going to finish 11th. That is where they're going to finish. They can't go up. They can't go down. They're going to finish 11th. Um, At home, with fans, Grealish got his first start back against Tottenham. You'd expect to see a bit more from him. He wasn't great in the game. They got their goals through lucky sources, regular and spectacular volley into the top corner of his own net, and then gifting the ball to uh, to Watkins via Bertrand Traore. Like three times. <laughs> yeah, you know, foolishness like. Um, should have had a penalty as well, to be fair. Yeah, that is true. Definitely should have had a penalty too. I think, I think Chelsea will get the job done. I really do. Like... If they were to lose this game, miss out on top four, and then lose next weekend, like they'll have gone from potentially top four and two cups to nothing and the Europa League. And 
I don't know that Thomas Tuchel will be all that safe in that regard. Uh, but I will go for a Chelsea win. I think it'll be a tough, tight game. I'll go 2-1 Chelsea. In terms of young players in this one, there's a couple for Villa. Uh, Carney Chukwamaka, the kid that came on against Spurs, hit the post. Uh, he's very, very talented. Big, big prospect. A lot of top clubs in for him. Villa might have a top, uh, tough time holding on to him, but he is a, a super prospect. Um, the other one then, there's obviously Jacob Ram- Ramsey has been playing for Villa this year, but his younger brother Aaron is meant to be an incredible prospect. So I'd like to see some of him. And then Louis Barry, the young player that scored against Liverpool in the in the cup game. I'd, I'd be quite interested to see him. But uh, Chukumaka is the one I would want to see more than any of the rest of them. For Chelsea, when they were bringing in all their players last summer in the greatest transfer window that anyone had ever had, uh, there was a centre-back they brought in from Barcelona called Xavier Bawamba. Mwamba. He was hyped up big time. Uh, he was even being compared to Van Dijk, I assume just because he's Dutch and tall. But he's meant to be a very, very talented player. So I'd be interested in seeing him. Uh, Chelsea have a couple of injuries this weekend in Christensen, uh, Kai Havertz and N'Golo Kante. I don't know that they'll risk um, Thiago Silva in this game. So they might have a spot on the bench for a defender. He'd be the one I'd like to see. Yeah, I think Chelsea and their academy is a strange one because Billy Gilmore is probably the only young player who's been in the squad and he was injured most of the season, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like Reese James came through a few years oh, yeah, ago. Sure. Callum Hudson-Odoi came through a few years ago. Tammy Abraham came through a few I mean, it would be nice to see Tammy Abraham get a game. Um, but, you know, Tammy Abraham, maybe if he's in the squad, maybe he just stays behind and um, and they work it out because I think that's the best fit for him. I think Villa is the best fit for Tammy. Yeah, just sneak it's where on. I'd like to see him next season. Just sneak on the bus afterwards. Nobody will yeah, notice. That's it. People just assume. Um, next up, then, what the game we thought would probably be the biggest of this um, last game week was is Fulham Newcastle in a potential relegation decider. But boy, that uh, that went awry for Fulham, didn't it? It did. This one fell flat on its face. Um, no real. No real urgency for Fulham in their battle against relegation. Uh, Three defeats and two draws in their last five. While Newcastle, to their credit, have won two and drawn one of their last five. Joe Willock has obviously been in brilliant form and they've overcome some injury issues. They've still got a lot of players that injured, like Callum Wilson's out. Um, Fabian Cher should be back for this one after suspension. Jolington is a doubt, Willock is a doubt, St. Maximum is a doubt, Dubravka is a doubt, Fraser's out, Lachelle's is out, and Carl Darlow is out. Oh, and Isaac Hayden. So that's quite a lot. And interestingly, the, the young player I was going to suggest for them is also a doubt in Elliot Anderson, young attacking midfielder, um, talented player, has a very Newcastle type of haircut. Um, he's the one I'd be interested in seeing for them. For Fulham, I mean, Carvalho was the one that everybody was talking about. The other one that I'd be interested in is Ben Davis, the young, um, I think he's part Thai. I think he was born in Thailand. His mother's Thai. He can play anywhere in midfield. 
he'd be interesting to see. But uh, Carvalho was the one, I think, that everybody wanted to see get some game time, and he has. Uh, Fulham this weekend will be without Tom Kearney, probably Anthony Robinson. Terence Congolo's out. Mitrovic is unlikely to play. And Harrison Reed is unlikely to play. So quite a few injuries there. But it's at home. I think Fulham owe their fans a result to say sorry for what they've put forward this year. Not just the players, but mostly the manager. Shambolic job by Parker this year. I'm going to say Fulham win 2-1. I just I can't see full of winning. Every time I watch, I know they drew United the other day, but I don't think United could look less bothered. They just always let you down. Um, but just to fo- not maybe focus on someone in this game for a sec. Joe Willock, you mentioned him. He's been in. Is it six games in a row he scored? And if he scores tomorrow uh, on Sunday, he think the only Newcastle player who to score in seven is Alan Shearer. Mm. So it's good company. It's all right company. I mean, what 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 do you? <sighs> Obviously, Newcastle will probably try and get him, but what do you think Arsenal will do with him? Because he plays I think in the if, same position. If Arsenal let him Rook. go, somebody should be fired. Mm. Like, the, the thing with Willock is, and it's not just Willock, it's a bunch of these young players who have been at Arsenal and are currently out on loan, and they've just never really been given a proper chance. Like, Joe Willock has played. He played 29 games in the Premier League last year, 44 in all competitions, and banged in five goals. He looked all right when I saw him last. Like, he played against us in the Cup, didn't he? Yeah, and played really, really well. Like, he did really well last season for them. Had a very impressive uh, season. This season, he was put on the fringes of the squad, seven appearances in the Premier League, played in, in the Europa League, scored three goals in five games, and then they just loaned him out in January. Mm. Like... And this is Arsenal. This is not a, a team that's doing very well. This is a team that's been rotting away in mid-table all season. Their starting midfield is Xhaka and Ceballos plus party. That's but, the thing. Yeah. Like, Danny Ceballos, who you don't own and have no intentions of keeping. Granite Xhaka, who you should be looking to sell at the first possible opportunity. El Nenny, who you had no interest in a mm. year ago and sent him out on loan. And yet, there's four young well, three of them are young, but four quality Arsenal midfielders who would improve their squad and any one of the four would be an upgrade on Xhaka, who just doesn't care, Ceballos, who really doesn't care, and Elneny, who, like, credit to him, he's done well this season and he's a good ball winner, but he's not... Like, there's a reason he was part of an Arsenal squad that fell from grace. But Joe Willock, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Lucas Torreira and um, Matteo Guendouzi are better than those players. All of them are better than those players. And Maitland-Niles, I think, at this point would be a better right-back than Bellerin, who Mm. offers nothing going forward other than straight-line speed and has always been a poor defender. Now, I know Maitland-Niles doesn't really like playing right-back, but if he was getting in the team every game, I think he'd deal with it. To have Torreira and Guendouzi out on loan when you're playing Ceballos and Xhaka is is unforgivable. Like, absolute... I know Guendouzi's a pain in the backside, but he's he was 20-21 making those kind of mistakes. He's super talented. And, like, Torreira never got to play next to a good midfielder. 
other than Guendouzi, and they rarely played the two of them together. They largely played one of them with Jacket. You might as well have them play with their feet tied together. <laughs> play Torreira with, with Thomas Partey, and I, I guarantee that midfield works. Guaranteed. And then you'd have uh, Guendouzi and Maitland-Niles as backups to them. Willock as a, can play in midfield, or he can play as your number 10. So you could play Smith-Rowe with Willock as the backup, or you can play Willock and push Smith-Rowe out into a wide position. And yet, all I hear is, oh, Arsenal are looking at this midfielder, and they're looking at that midfielder. And I'm looking at them thinking, they own players just as good as these. Why on earth are Arsenal looking at midfielders when they already own four quality midfielders that they have spread out on loan? It's it's incredibly poor squad management from Arteta. Forgetting everything else, Arteta's management of the squad is reason enough to change the manager. Mm. Like, there are six players, those four midfielders, plus William Saliba, who is far better Far better than Rob Holding. Far better than Callum Chambers. And a better player at this point than David Luiz. Your centre-back situation's been a mess all year. How's he not in the team? Mavroponos, playing really well for Stuttgart. And yet he's... How many times... If he's played more than five times for Arsenal, he's played seven Premier League games... None in the last two seasons. Spent last year on loan at Nuremberg. Um, so basically, Arteta took over and has loaned him out ever since. He's never been given an opportunity under Arteta. It's just shambolic mm. squad management. thing is, he only gave... Sacco was kind of established under Emery, wasn't he? To be fair. Yeah. He only played Smith Rowe because he was about to lose his job. He was about to get sacked and he panicked and he needed a number 10 and he hadn't registered Osel, so he threw Smith Rowe in and it, it, it took off and they, they, they turned things around and they were good. But nobody is going to sit there and convince me that having a centre-back group of David Louise, Rob Holding, Pablo Mari, Callum Chambers and Gabriel is better than having Marion Gabriel, fine. Holding as a fifth centre-back, fine. But Saliba and Mavroponos, oh, every day of the week over David Luiz and Callum Chambers. Mm-hmm. Every day of the week. It's, it's such bad squad management. And like their issue this season has been centre-backs have been so inconsistent and poor and the midfield's been a mess. And there they are with six players that could help just thrown away on loan. It is mind-blowing how poor Arteta has done managing this squad. And, like, it's not just the ones that went on loan, but Reese Nelson, barely given a chance all season. Mm. Eddie and Kethia, barely given a chance all season. Now, I know Martinelli had some injuries, but he hasn't played nearly enough. And yet, you look at the squad and you're like, well, I wonder who the backup left-back is. Oh, they don't have one. Because he loaned out the backup left-back and then overplayed Tierney. Caused him to get injured, and it was only by pure fluke that Kieran Tierney's injury wasn't more serious, and it didn't cost him his, his place at the Euros. Mm. It's such bad squad management. It, it's absolutely terrible. Um, he, he needs to go. He's if if you're looking at Premier League managers outside of Parker, who's 
dreadful. I would say the next one most in need of replacing is Arteta, even over Bruce, because at least Bruce is a proven manager. And though Newcastle is a big club, it's not a big job at the moment because they're not a, a team with ambitions to finish in the top four. Arsenal are. And Arsenal are one of the three biggest clubs in England. That is a huge job, an absolutely gargantuan job. And it's far too big for him. Other than Parker, he is the manager that most needs to go this summer. Well, whilst we're on Fulham, you've you've mentioned Parker. Probably should have gone a long time ago. Is is there any interesting names that you think could suit that Fulham job? Because they will need a rebuild, as we, as we mentioned. There's a lot of loan players there. A lot of players that... I kind of... I don't even know. Is Dennis Adoy one of them players that... He does all right in the championship, but then as soon as he gets to Premier League, the Cameron Jerome syndrome—that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. Matthias Vidra was one of them as well yeah. until until this recent run. Um, that's, I mean, Adoy, Michael Hector, Tim Ream, hmm. these type of lads Joe do. Bryan. Yeah, they they they're they're solid championship players and they're reliable championship players, but. The problem is, if you play them in the championship, then as soon as you go into the Premier League, you have to replace all of them. So, I wonder, would they be better off just sort of getting rid of a bunch of these players and then aiming to, you know, bring in younger players, more talented players, even if they have to spend a bit more than they normally want to, and go and push on for... You know, for promotion, even if it took them a year to settle and get everything right, mm. push for promotion the next year, and then come up with a team that can actually adapt to the Premier League that doesn't need to be entirely changed. I think them got promoted was just too soon, wasn't it? Because they were in the process of doing that. Yeah, I think so too. I think it, it came it came too early for them to come up. Um, as for an, I mean, it's tough. Like the one that'll be interesting is the guy whose kind of name's been banded about to a lot of clubs is Eddie Howe. Mm. He'd be an interesting fit to go into Fulham and try and rebuild it. And if he was given time and he was given backing, Eddie Howe, I think, would very much enjoy the challenge. Now, he may well have a Premier League offer. Um, he certainly has an offer from Celtic. Uh, well, it's heavily reported that he has an offer from Celtic. So he'd be an interesting one. I, I don't know that you could really see Chris Wilder in the in the in London, would like, Lamp- could... Lampard be good for this? Because uh, Palace is Lampard Palace could is be a, interesting yeah. because Palace it, is a huge rebuild and Fulham. Palace is a huge is... rebuild and it's Premier League and Lampard's not ready for Premier yeah. League. Lampard is actually a good shout because Fulham always have a good academy. There's always good players coming through, and Lampard likes to promote the youth. He could very easily get some sort of working relationship going with Chelsea, where he might be able to loan in a couple of players. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It won't take, and like, and they will have money to spend because the cans mm-hmm. will spend money. Lampard is actually a really good shout guy. That's a really, really good shout. That could be the ideal job for Frank. The only thing it aren't full. Oh no, it's QPR that Chelsea arrivals with not Fulham, is it? There's, I mean, they're they're next door to Fulham, but there's not really a rivalry. Mm. Not, not really. Like QPR's Chelsea, the animal. 
the animalistic one, isn't it? Yeah, and plus, like, Chelsea kind of always look at, you know, Arsenal and Spurs and Liverpool and United as their rivals. You know, the, the local rivalry doesn't really seem to exist for them. There doesn't seem to be, like, real bad blood between the fan bases. Now, Chelsea's fan base can be quite rabid at times, but Fulham's, Fulham's generally seem to be a really nice bunch of people. So, um, I I think we could say, like, I mean, look, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is there on loan this season from Chelsea. Mm. So, you know, they're, they're clearly happy enough to loan players to them. Well, so, it, look at maybe the for Frank, that is the right spot. Maybe take, that is the right spot. Take, like, Gwehi from Swansea with him as well for another season in the Championship or something like you that. Could, that's the thing, I mean, you could buy him. I don't think he's got a future at Chelsea, as good as he is. Yeah. Maybe you could loan in Conor Gallagher, give you that dynamic presence in midfield. Him and Harrison Reed in midfield, that gives you something to build from. Gwehi coming in at centre-back next to Tosin. So there's there's that part of your team sorted out. Um, you could buy Josh Madger. That fee's not not prohibitive. I think it's about $8 million. You do own Mitrovic. You could play those two up front if you wanted to go with two up top. Um, you own Kenny Tete. You own Anthony Robinson, so your full-backs are sorted. Young Carvalho looks a real talent, so you put him on one wing, mm-hmm. and then you've got either De Cordova Reeb, uh, De Cordova Reeb, the other uh, Cavalero can play on the other wing. Um, that's not a bad team. Mm. It's young. It's young. You'd need to inject some leadership in there somewhere, and I still think you'd need a you'd need a, a goalkeeper because obviously Ariola's going to go. Rodex, but I mean, right, I think. but you'd probably want. He's the... not bad. Yeah. He's not bad. But he's been like he's got some weird hand injury that doesn't seem to be healing for him. Yeah. Um. Frank, there could be a really good shout if they and because it's it's not a team that needs massive retooling. You're talking literally one in each line mm. to to get them. You know, goalkeeper, centre back, centre midfield, and one up front, and like then you'll still have. Like you'll still have the likes of Tim Ream and, and Dennis Adoy and Hector. So you have them all on the training ground. You have them all as squad players. They'll come in. They'll do you a job. They'll go back out. They've got the experience of going through the championship twice and coming up. So they can pass that on to these younger players. And obviously he can, expl- he can go knocking on other clubs' doors looking for loans. There's a financial mess brewing at Derby. Mm-hmm. And you know he'll have his eye on that. And a couple of players like Louis Sib- uh, is it Louis Sibley, the yeah, young, yeah, 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 he'd be like you could bring him in, play him on him on the right. Uh, Jason Knight, who he fell in love with when he was there, could come in and play in centre midfield. So, well, he took he took players from Liverpool, like Harry Wilson's best season was probably under Frank Lampard. Under Frank, yeah, like Fra- Frank will tap the loan market, and there will be there's like. There's a, there's a draw to Frank, not as a as a manager, because he hasn't done anything as a manager, but there's still a bit of a draw to Frank because of who he is. The same as Gerard. Like now, Gerard's mm-hmm. now won a title, obviously. But before that, players were like, geez, I get to go get to go and work with Steven Gerrard. Mm. And some of the players were saying with... like I remember I remember hearing players at Rangers say he he trains with us every day. You get to see him play in training. <laughs> like and Lampard was the same at Derby. I remember reading an interview with Jason Knight who said that Lampard would often take part in the, the training games. And he's like, just to be on the pitch with him, see his movement, see how he how he views the game. 
Mm. He's like, I used to often, if I was on the same team as him, I'd often just go and stand behind him and watch what he was watching so I could see how he was viewing the game. Like, that type of thing is something young midfielders and young footballers will want to want to learn. You know, and, and that's what Frank can really pass on as a coach. That's where I often look at people like Frank and, and Stevie before this season and Rooney, and I think you'd be so much better off becoming a coach for four or five years, passing on your knowledge as a player to the, the younger players, while also attaining knowledge from a manager about how to manage and having that sort of na- more natural path rather than just getting, you know, one year as an underage coach and then chucked in as a manager or in Frank's case, no real experience as a coach and just chucked in uh, as a manager. So, yeah, I think I think Lampard to Fulham is is a shout and I, I think there's a real possibility for them to bounce up if they if they get it right. If they appoint Parker, I mean, they could come back up, but I mean, they'll just go straight back down again. Yeah, and they'll probably lose people like Anguissa. Mitrovic could probably move him because Parker's. He's not down. staying if Parker. I think he's. I think he's already said if he's not staying if Parker stays. Mm. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because they've got all the. T- there should be an established Premier League thing. Let's be honest. But anyway, mm. let's not spend half an hour on on uh, Scott Parker. Um, next up, then this is one of the BT games. So if you are a Leeds or West Brom fan, that's where you will be watching Leeds West Brom. Um, now West Brom, we know Sam Allardyce has gone. Maybe we can talk about any potential managers for them uh, in a sec as well. But Leeds, I mean, should we spend a few minutes on the job Marcelo Bielsa has done at Leeds? Because I don't think I think everyone maybe thought they'd be fine in the Premier League, but to come in, finish tenth, and this last third, second half of the season, mm. uh, the defense has improved tenfold. They look so much more comfortable. Like we used to say, they couldn't defend. Now they're probably one of the best defenses in the country. Since Diego Lloriente came back mm. into that team, the improvement in the defense has been absolutely sensational. Like you look at their results, and having gone through, you know, most of the season where they'd they'd win one, they'd lose one, they'd draw one, they'd lose one, they'd win one, they'd lose two in a row, they'd win two in a row. They were just they were a newly promoted team. And that's what you expect from newly promoted teams is that they will be very inconsistent, that they will have games where they look a little bit out of their depth. But they went through, what, 20... They went through the first 27 games this season. And they never won more than two in a row. Mm. Then they won three in a row as as part of a six-game unbeaten run, which was, again, their longest unbeaten run the previous longest had been three in a row. Then they lost to Brighton, and they've won three in a row since. So, the last ten games, six wins, three draws, one defeat. Like, that's that's properly good form. That's European-caliber form. Mm. Um, like you said, the defensive record has improved. Uh, they've only conceded more than more than one once in that 10-game run. That was in the Brighton game. But they held Man City to one goal. They held Liverpool to one goal. They held Spurs to one goal. They got a clean sheet against United. They won two and drew two of those games. 
you know, they beat they beat Burnley, which they should. They beat Southampton, which they should. They beat Sheffield United and Fulham. So they're winning the games they should win. And sorry, they also kept a clean sheet and drew nil-nil with Chelsea. So in that mm. run, that's not like a powder puff run. In that run, they played five of the big six. And didn't lose to any of them. Got results against, beat two of them. And draws into the three. And then they won the games you'd expect them to win. That is a, it's a brilliant run. It's a brilliant way to end the season. And this is another game you'll expect them to win. And I do expect them to win. I expect Leeds to win this game and finish the season in style. And get themselves to 59 points. Which would be a brilliant return. An absolutely brilliant return. For your first game, first season back in the Premier League. Like Wolves. Wolves have to have the record for the highest placed finish in a first season in the Premier League at seventh. But Wolves only got 57 points. So even if Leeds finish that bit lower, they might finish... They could finish eighth. They've got a better goal difference than Everton. So if Everton and Arsenal... Everton were to lose and Arsenal were to lose, Leeds could jump both of them and finish in eighth. They won't get seventh because Spurs' goal, goal differential is... Uh, plus 15 more than theirs. But they'll have more points with a win here than Leeds. A, a draw will, or than, than Wolves. A draw will get them th- the same. Um, they've been brilliant. They've been so much fun to watch. And they're finally at a point now where they've won more games than they've lost. They've won 17. Like, it's a really, really impressive effort to win 17 games in your first season. This This would be 18. Uh, lost 15, drew 5. It's two less like, than Liverpool. <laughs> at the, yeah, at, that's the thing. Like, Liverpool and Chelsea. Are, and Chelsea are third and fourth with 19. Uh, Leicester and Man United are fifth and second with 20. So, you know, I will get to them, but they're realistically looking at finishing with only two wins less than the team's ranked second through fifth. That's a hell of an effort in your first season. Now, the big question mark will be over Bielsa. He said he hasn't made a decision yet. He'll have to factor in everything and consider all options. I think everybody, whether they're a Leeds fan or not, has their fingers crossed that he'll stay because he's been just a breath of fresh air for the Premier League. He is the anti-Sam Allardyce, the (laughs) anti-Roy Hodgson. You know, there is no gravy in his life. No gravy at all. You'd imagine it's he chugs pints of like sriracha, just chugs them, and then goes mental. What a wonderful manager! What a wonderful team he's put together. There's so much fun. Bamford's been great this season. Rafinha's been a joy. I think uh, Phillips has to go to the um, to the Euros. He's been brilliant as well. So. Leeds injury wise, Adam Forshaw is out, Helder Costa is out, Mateus Glish is out, Robin Cock is out, and Diego Lorient is out. So they, they are going to be a little bit short handed at the back. They've also announced that Pablo Hernandez and Gitano Berardi are both leaving this summer. So maybe we'll see them get their, their farewells. Berardi got his first pay. I don't think he started. He came on the other day. Came he? on, didn't he? Yeah. Um, 
the young player I want to see from them is Joe Gellhart, the kid they brought from Wigan, young scouser. Yeah, yeah. Very, very talented young striker. He's the one I want to see from them. For West Brom, I mean, they, you know, they're playing to maybe jump over Fulham and finish 18th rather than 19th. We know that Sam is leaving. Um, he had his little meltdown on television and begged Sky for a job. The, the, the player I want to see from them is a young centre-back called Saul Shotton. Left-side centre-back, talented player. Their defence has been a mess. I don't see any harm in giving him a, a chance, see what he can do, see if he's going to be able to play in the championship. But I don't imagine, you know, I don't imagine Sam cares whether anybody can play in the championship. Uh, Branislav Ivanovic has ruled out his signing has been a disaster, obviously. And Robert Snodgrass is also out. And again, it, it, a signing that was pointless. Um, I, I think Leeds go out in style. I think Leeds go and wallop them. I'll say 4-1. Yeah, I can certainly see it. I mean, word on West Brom. We mentioned Lampard and, and others for the Fulham job. West Chris Brom, Wilder. Yeah. Chris Wilder, to me, makes sense. I looked at the squad yesterday, um, and they would need... They may need a goalkeeper to replace um, Johnston if he leaves. But I think you can... Carolyn Grant and, and Robinson up front, I think, is the ideal Wilder front two. Diangana, Field, and maybe Roman Sayers as a midfield three. That could be really good in the championship. Dara O'Shea is a quality young defender. I I, I want to see how how this uh, how Shotton does. He could be another. Now he's young. He might be maybe too young. But I mean, they have Darnell Furlong. I think could play right side centre back for them. He's mm. about five eleven. He's really he's he's built like a tank. He's quick. He's more than happy to bomb forward. As a as a Chris Wilder right side centre back, I think he could fit there with O'Shea as the left side one. So you'd need someone in the middle, someone to organise your defence. And some wing-backs. And some wing-backs. Which isn't a big ask. It's not a huge amount. And, and and a goalkeeper. But you're going to sell Pereira. You're probably going to sell Johnston. That will cover the players that you need. Mm-hmm. So I think Chris Wilder makes a lot of sense for West Brom. I mean, the only question is, does Wilder want to go for I know he had a terrible season this year, but he's shown that he can do it in the Premier League. Would he not wait for... The Wolves' job. Um, trying to think who else. Newcastle. He could, but how long would he be waiting, though? That's true. Do you know, it, it it will all depend on how quickly he wants to get back into management. Well, would, would you rather have the West Brom job or the Palace job? Because Palace seems a bigger rebuild. I would rather have the West Brom job. Mm. I would rather have the West Brom job because you're starting off with... A foundation in place at at Palace. You're going in to a hole in the ground and having to do everything, and you've just lost one of your two best players to a horrific injury for next season. Yeah, that's true. And your other best player is likely to want to leave because mm. he wants to leave every summer. So you you immediately walk into a headache. Sixteen players out of contract, and Ezzy probably not going to play most of next season, and the pressure of a relegation battle. Whereas with West Brom, you walk into 
a, a decent group of players. Like it's not a great group, but there's a there's a decent amount of talent there. Um, an academy that always churns out good young players, and potentially a decent little bit of money to spend with if Pereira and Johnston go. You could get fifty million for the pair of them. Yeah, I mean, you could be really cheeky and just say no, we're not selling them. You could do a Norwich mm. and just say no chance, we're not selling them. Like Norwich managed to keep Max Aaron's, Emmy Buendia, and Todd Cantwell. Like they only sold Ben Godfrey because Everton. Now twenty five mil was it? Twenty five mil, which was the asking price, and it, so it may be they could turn around and say, look, we'll we'll sell him at forty mil. If we don't get forty mil, he's not going. You say that to him. Look, this is the price we've set on you. If we don't get it, we're, we're going to keep you. You make them aware, look, we're not keeping you regardless. Like, if, if if someone meets your price, we will be happy to see you go. But they have to meet your price. That's how we value you. And I think that might keep him happy enough. Um, right, Darnell Furlong, what height is he? He's 5'11". I think Darnell Furlong could, could be that right centre-back. Like, a J, maybe in the middle of a back three, might be okay. Um, Martin Skirtle flashback. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Um, <laughs> like I, I think, I think Bartley's a bit of a yard dog. I know he's the vice captain. Livermore. None of these players would be for me now. Um, but again, like I do think there's, I think there's enough of a scope. I think there's enough of a squad there. That you could maybe turn it round fairly quickly with only a couple of additions. And there'd also be the added little bonus of getting to go up against the team that you managed and that you fell out with because the owners wanted to do things that you didn't want to do. Mm. So he might, you know, if he wants a little bit of revenge, he could look at that. I, I think he'd just be a good fit there. I think his personality would fit the club as well. And I don't think he'd be under immediate pressure to bring them straight back up. I think if it took him two years, they'd be more than happy for that as long as when they came back up, it was something sustainable. Yeah. So I think that's what they want. They would like a four or five year run in the Premier League. They don't mind dropping out and then, you know, fighting the way back up. But I think they'd like to have, you know, come up three, four, five years, then go back down, retool, come back up, do the same again. I think, I think they're happy to be that type of club rather than up, down, up, down, up, down, which nobody really wants and is a bit tiresome, I'd imagine, for your recruitment staff who have to recruit every time you come up and then recruit every time you go down because the players that you bought when you went up signed to play for a Premier League club, not a championship club. It's a very strange club. I do like West Brom. It used to be my FM team. But anywho, um, we'll do the Leicester Spurs game and then we'll do an ad break and we'll do the next five. But this is... I mean, it's probably the most eye-catching on paper, and obviously it means so much in the top four race and Europa League race for Spurs as well. Um, Leicester obviously won the FA Cup, but the top four races have not gone well last year, especially and depending this year. I mean, they should have they should have had it safe a long time ago. Let's be honest. And and Spurs, I mean. No fault of Mason's. I mean, he is, what, he's 26, 27, isn't he? So he shouldn't really be a manager of any club. Never mind the Premier League club going for Euro spots. But where where do you see this? Because we've got Spurs where Harry Kane might be playing his last game. 
Mm. Um, and Leicester need to win. Leicester need to win. To, to miss top four again when you had it in your own hands and you should have had it wrapped up is a, is a big black mark against Brendan Rodgers. Um, it, would, it would speak to whether or not that the squad has the mental toughness that you would really want. They spent 32 weeks of last year, the last, last season, in the top four and threw it away in spectacular fashion. Now, it hasn't been as spectacular a collapse this year, but they did spend 36 straight weeks in the top four. So, to miss out would be cruel. Now, they won the FA Cup, and they should be delighted with the FA Cup. They really should. It's great for the club to win their first FA Cup. It's great for Rodgers to get his first, you know, silverware from a, from a top league. Um, but they have, they've bottled this entirely. Like, you look at their last five games, bad defeat to Newcastle, the draw against Southampton when they had 10 men for the majority of the game, um, the defeat to Chelsea, and the, the way they went about the defeat to Chelsea. I think they had one shot in the first 70 minutes or something like that. Like, mm. they went to try and, like, scrape a draw, and it was just a, a little bit disappointing to see. It was very un rogers like If he'd had that mentality a few years ago, he probably would have won a Premier League title, but you know we have we 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 move we move past that. Um, Tottenham are the interesting story here because they're seventh. A win and a West Ham defeat will put them into the Europa spots, but West Ham, you we we, we expect to win this weekend. Um, Harry Kane potentially last game. New manager to look for. I think it's easier to recruit a good manager if you're in the Europa League as opposed to the Conference League or not in any at all. Because I think, you know, if they were looking at whoever, Allegri maybe. I I don't know who they're looking at because the names out there, Ten Hag, he's signed a new deal. Nagelsmann, he's going to Bayern. Do you want to manage your odds? Yes. So this is on Skybet, so it might be different other places. Uh, favorite is Simone Inzaghi, two or one. That's a very interesting one. Would you like to know who's second? Scott Parker, four to one. Scott Jesus. Parker, Graham Potter, five to one. How is Parker higher than? Oh my god! <laughs> Brendan Rodgers, eight to one. Uh, Nuno, ten to one. Ten Hag, twelve to one. Hansi Flick, twelve to one. Now, I think these next two could... Hansi Flick has taken the German job. Yeah, I know. I don't know why he's in there. And why would he go from Bayern to Spurs? Um, I think these next two might be sleeper shouts. Roberto Martinez, who apparently want... Doesn't he want out of the Belgium job? Yeah, he's announced normal? he's leaving the Belgian job. I, I just... I don't think he's a good manager. I, no, I, I, I agree. Especially not but I do Spurs. Think, I saw Jamie Redknapp suggest him. Mm. Um, and if Jamie Redknapp suggests him, that that yeah, alone yeah. is reason not to appoint him. He seemingly does have Spurs info, though, so he might be hinting at stuff. Mm. And the next one's Ralph Ranić, which I think is probably what Spurs need in terms of a overhaul yeah. of everything. Ranić, of those, of of all of those, and the only one I would take over Ranić that that's listed is Ten Hag. Now Rogers as well is is you know Rogers would be. A deserving shout, and Rogers mm. would be a, a good pick. I just don't think Rogers will leave uh, Leicester this season. 
Now, if they're not, well, if they're not in the Champions League, maybe, maybe it's easier to convince them if they're not top four. Mm. Maybe because I do think Brendan would like to manage a big six club. I do think the glamour and the you know the shine of London and Spurs and that would would appeal to Brendan. Uh, the fact that they don't have a, a, a director of football would appeal to Brendan as well because he'd have more control and that's one he of the things. Bring, he can likes. bring his own guy again, can he? Yeah, he can, and and you know they can they can do their thing because he's not they're not getting a whole bunch of input in the recruitment at um at Leicester, but. Ranić makes a lot of sense because what you can do with Ranić is you bring him in, you give him a clean slate, and you say, "Look, you do you. You build mm-hmm. us the club that, that you you envisage." He he do, does two years as the manager, then he steps up into the director of football role, and he brings in his handpicked manager. It could be Hasenhutl if he does well at Southampton for another year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be Jesse Marsh. Mm-hmm. A.D. Hooter, who's just taken the Gladbach job. If Marco Rose fancies coming to England. All of these people yeah. are from the Ranić, you know, coaching tree. Um, Ranić is a really interesting one. It, I, I wouldn't put much faith into, like, Hansi Flick's not going to take it. They're not. They're not going to go for Scott Parker. I genuinely think that <laughs> I think there'd be riots if they appointed Parker. Spurs fans are already annoyed. They mm. already want uh, Daniel Levy to go. What? If they, he appoints a failed manager like Scott Parker, I think they will riot. They, they just look um, at Arsenal and go, "We fancy a bit of that." <laughs> yeah, that's that's but that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah. Except at least with Arteta, it was like, "Well, we don't know what he's like." With Parker, <laughs> we know what he's like. He wears two coats and he's awful. He gets teams relegated that shouldn't get relegated. Ralph Ranić would be very interesting. A, w- a word on Zaghi, because he, he's favourite for the Juve job, isn't he? He seems to be the best performing Italian manager outside be, of Conte. He would be very interesting. Mm. Because Simone Zaghi has been at Lazio. That's the only, the only job he's ever had is Lazio. He's been there now five years. Mm. Um, he's won fifty three point six percent of his games, so that's a fairly, a fairly good return. Considering Lazio are always sort of bordering on being financially, you know, in, in major trouble. Um, this season, they are sixth. They're going to finish sixth, which it's a little bit disappointing for them. But it's no, it's no failure when you look at the teams above them. Inter. Atalanta, Napoli, AC Milan, and Juve. Like, it's no failure to be the best of the rest. They finished seven points above Roma. Last season, they finished top four. They got Champions League. They finished above Roma, Milan, and Napoli. That was an incredible achievement. The year before that, uh, they finished eighth. That was a bit of a disappointing season, but they had a lot of injuries that year. And then the year before that, uh, 17-18, they were fifth. Missed out on Champions League only by goal difference. Only mm. by goal difference. It was really, really unfortunate. Uh, not goal difference, sorry, head-to-head. They actually had a better goal difference than um, than Inter and missed out by, by head-to-head. They're one of only three teams ever in the top five leagues to finish with a goal difference of plus 30 or better and miss out on 
a top four spot. So <laughs> if you go back for the last 30 years and look at the, the league table, you, you will only find three clubs that ever missed out on top four with a goal difference of plus 30. It's, it's like a little cheat code. Those teams are Lazio that season, but five teams in Serie A finished with plus 30. Arsenal, a couple of seasons before that in the Premier League, again, five teams finished with plus 30. And then Fiorentina back in the mid-2000s, but they actually finished second and then had points deducted because they got caught trying to be involved in match-fixing. Um, they're the only teams. So like it's like a complete fluke. And then the year before that, they also finished fifth. And that, the first season he was in charge, they should have been nailed on for fourth. They lost their last three games and threw it away. Mm. But he's done a great job there. Immobile's become a top-class striker under his watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Remember, he failed at, at Dortmund, having done yeah, well at yeah, Torino yeah. before that. Sergei Milinkovic-Savage has d- developed into a superstar. Luis Alberto failed at Liverpool. An, an absolute star with them. He's made been Lucas Leiva somewhat of a successful footballer. He's done well with Leiva. Now, that has been kind of the one weak point in the team, has been that defensive midfield role. But it's a lot of work to do because you've got a lot of attack-minded players ahead yeah. of him. Uh, Joaquin Correa has be- has developed really well under him. Mm-hmm. That's a, It's such an exciting Lazio team. They're a lot of fun to watch. He plays a back three and then generally a holding midfielder, a four, a one and a one. So he plays with Immobile up top normally, Correa behind him, and then Milinkovic, Savic, and um, and Luis Alberto as kind of the centre midfielders, with Lucas as the d- d- defensive midfielder. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. It really, really is. They're, there's great movement. There's quality players. They, they play a lovely brand of football. I mean, you could, if you say that, I mean, you could... Saying them names and how they play, you could imagine Ali and, and Dombele doing well as the attackers and Heusberg as the defensive. It seems. Well, that's the thing. So you look at that Spurs team. So Kane, say Kane stays. Mm. Kane is your Chiro Immobile. Then you put um, Youngman Son as your Joaquin Correa, plays just off the striker and then drifts wide. You'd have Ndombele and Ali as the middle two. And then Heusberg, like you said, is the defensive midfielder. You've also got Harry Winks, Lacelso, and a couple of others that can be used in and around. Um, Sergio Regulon was Sergio Regulon was bought was was born to be a wing back rather than a full back. Mm-hmm. So he's perfect for the left wing back spot. They'd need a right wing back, although Aurier is more suited, suited yeah. as a wing back, and, and so is Doherty. Yeah, yeah. But you could sell Aurier, and they. You remember when I did the, the thing the other day about the someone someone on the Atlantic, Carl Anka on the Atlantic did the thing about players that could get traded for Harry mm-hmm. Kane. And the one name that's still stuck in my head since is Audrey Ozola, the right back yeah. from Real Madrid, who's rumoured to want out, who would probably be available at a decent price, and he'd be perfect as the right wing back in that. Then you look at the back three. Toby Alderweireld in the middle of a back three. I think you extend his career doing that. Could you get Militao in a, in a trade? I think you could get Militao on loan with an option to buy. I don't think you'd have to pay big money to get him. And I do think Abdo Diallo, Diallo is going to be available this summer. So all you'd really have to do is buy 
your two outside centre-backs and a right wing-back. And then I, I do think a goalkeeper, but maybe he brings Strakosha with him from Lazio. Maybe he could get a deal done for him. There's a lot of potential there. I think he'd be brilliant for Spurs. He'd be really, really interesting for Spurs. What would it take for Gasparini to leave Atalanta? Um, I don't know. Like, Probably not Spurs. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I think Spurs is the kind of job he'd take. He went to Inter and failed, and that was sort of the big knock on him was that, you know, he went to a big club and it mm. didn't work and he's not a top-class manager. So he went to Atalanta. Uh, when he went back to Palermo, for, he went to Palermo first, did well there, went on to Genoa and then came to Atalanta. He's also been in Atalanta five years, obviously. Mm. He's also won 53% of his games. Uh, 53.36 for him. 53.6 for Nzagi. So Nzagi's actually got a better a better record in more games, but uh, admittedly, Gasparini's played a lot more Champions League games. Yeah. Um, what would it th- I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know what it would take. Because Levy said he wants Spurs to get back to being the attacking, well-known Spurs of what well, must have been the 80s and stuff where they formed that. The 80s, the there. early 90s yeah. when they had the when they had that the the, 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 the front five, yeah, they were just they were. It was lunacy watching Spurs then. But is that they is had, that is not just that is Gasparini in the modern days, isn't? Pretty much hundred goals a much. season consistently. Yeah, Gasparini just you know wants his team to go and attack. Now we'll say Simone and Zaghi wants his team to go and attack as well. Right. Okay. Um, they scored seventy four goals this season, so not not a oh, sorry this sorry this season. Um, they scored 61. This was a down season for them. Last season, they got 79, third highest in, in Serie A. Uh, season before that, 56. That was the season they finished eighth. They were they were just poor that year. Uh, 89, the year before, that was highest in the division. So, I mean, all things considered, he is like he's a very attack-minded coach is Simone and Zaghi. And I think he'd probably be easier to get than Gasparini. I think Gasparini could be difficult. Like, he loves where he works. And, like, a lot Which of those players tender, signed to play for him. Yeah. You know, whereas with Simone, I mean, he's... Then the thing with him is he's been at a big club. Lazio is a huge club. Mm. So he deals with a lot of pressure. He deals with a lot of nonsense. And he deals with a fan base that wasn't very happy when he got the job. But he's done done very, very well. He's also won a couple of cups as well. Um, He won the Coppa Italia and he's won the Super Cup twice. So, you know, he's got a little bit of a track record. Simone and Zaghi is actually a cracking shout for them. An absolutely cracking shout. It might come to nothing, but they've got a squad that would adapt really well to how he wants to play really well to how he wants to play. It wouldn't take a whole lot to um, to make it ideal for him. So if you were to rank the realistic ones, Inzaghi 1, Ranić 2, Ten Hag 3? I, I would say Ranić 1 purely on the basis of he, you also get your director of football with him. Right, okay. Spurs need a director of football mm-hmm. before they need a manager. Um, I, I But I would go Ranić 1... But as the overall, so yeah, Inzaghi yeah. is the best like, best fit as a coach. Ten Hag, 
yeah, he's a little bit of a strange one. He's he's obviously very, very intelligent. And he's a good coach, but I don't know. There's times you, you watch Ajax play in Europe and they can look a, a bit of a mess. Mm. He, like he overthinks things a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, a lot of those kind of uber tactical managers like Nagelsmann and Pep at times as well will overthink things a little bit. Uh, ten, I, I would go Ten Hag, then Rodgers, then Potter. Potter over Nuno? Yeah. Yeah, Potter over Nuno. Um, for for Spurs, yeah. Potter over Martinez? Yes. Much mm, interested. And Nuno over Martinez as well. Yeah, he had a weird end at Everton, didn't you, he? The only one I'd have under Martinez is Scott Parker. I wouldn't touch Martinez personally. I didn't mention him, but Thomas Frank's 18 to 1, which is a weird one, but yeah. Thomas Frank, but see, the, the, the thing is, Thomas Frank, if he's available, it'll be because he hasn't brought Brentford up again. Yeah, I mean... So are you really going to reach into the championship? I mean, Thomas Frank could make sense for Fulham. Mm. I don't think he'd make sense for Spurs. Uh, He's not proven himself more than, say, Dean Smith at the minute, so why why is he not on it, (laughs) if that's the case? So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting mix of names there, but we will take a... Well, actually, I I didn't pick my young players. Oh, yes, of course. Young players, Sidney Tavares for Leicester. He has already played. Uh, a couple of games this season. Super talented young centre midfielder. He'd be the one for them. And um, Niall John for Spurs, an attacking midfielder. I've only seen a little bit of him. Uh, looks really, really talented. He could be an interesting one. But I think this ends in a draw. I'm going 2-2. I think Kane will score. I think Leicester will get back into it. Spurs will go back ahead and then they'll bottle it a little bit. But I, I think this will end up in a 2-2 draw that disappoints both sets of players and both managers and both sets of fans. So the King Power is going to be a fun afternoon. King Power will be a joyous place. <laughs> but look, you've just won the FA Cup. Yeah, they'll be. And fun. you're getting to go back and watch your football team play. So don't don't moan too much. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, quickly, what did you make of Spurs fans booting the other day? I thought it was understandable considering they made them sit so far up in the sky. Um, but at the same time, you know... They, You've just come back after... Just thought. come back. like <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there's, there are people that would have been, you know, happier to be there. If you, if you were... If you're all ups, like, I, I get protesting, but you're not helping. It's not the players. It's not. That's, that's the thing. Like, who, who are you booing? Because the players here, they think you're booing them. Now, when you chant Levy out, that's fine. He knows it's about him. And the players know it's about him. They know it's not about them. But you're still not supporting them. So, I don't know. I just think... I just think they, they needed to settle down. That wasn't the, the time to do it. That wasn't the game to do it. Like, that could have waited till next season. It could have waited till the summer. You can organise some protests or whatever. You write to the club. Do something. But don't... It just did that didn't sit well with me. Yeah, it was a bit strange. But anyway, we will take a break, and then we'll be next uh, back with the next five games. Th- this show was always going to go along. It's the last one of the season, <laughs> so exactly, we'll exactly. But we're going to rattle through the yeah. second five. Yeah, we'll be back in a sec. Right, welcome back. Uh, so we're five games in. We've got five games to go, but we have 
I, I have prattled on quite a bit. So we're going to ramp up the speed and move more quickly through the uh, the next five. Yeah, and there's, there's too many managers to talk about. That's a main problem. And most of these, apart from Palace, are steady managers, I believe. At Liverpool, Palace, and simply Liverpool have to better Leicester's result. And seeing as you predicted a draw, I'm not saying Liverpool should aim for a draw, but... No, Liverpool that, need to go yeah. and win the game. Yeah. Win the game and you're in. They're four goals better off. So if they if they win 1-0, Leicester have to win by five clear goals. If they win by two, Leicester have to win by six. It's that simple. The the maths favours Liverpool. Uh, it's Hodgie's last game. So he'll get a nice um, a nice friendly send-off, I'd imagine. Uh, loads of injuries, as always, for both teams. Ezzy, Sacco, Dan, Ferguson, Wickham, McCarthy. Or sorry, MacArthur all out for uh, Palace with Benteke, Milojovic, Milivojevic, and Mitchell all doubts. Whereas with Liverpool, Henderson is out. Jota unlikely to play. Matip, Gomez, Quebec, Davies, and Van Dijk out, and Naby Keita uh, unlikely to play. So lots of injuries, but Liverpool are the, are the most informed team in the Premier League. Seven wins and two draws from the last nine. I would back them to win this game quite comfortably, to be totally honest with you. But uh, you never know. You just never know in this season. I think they'll win. The young player I want to see for Liverpool is James Ballag. Is it Ballag Gizzy or Ballag... Uh, whatever his name is. I think it's that one, yeah. Ballag Gizzy. Ballag Gazi or something like that. Ballag He, Whatever his name is, he looks super <laughs> yeah. talented. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see him. Not the Paul and then. Kid. No, not yet. He's too young. He's too young and too small. Give him a bit more time. Like Michael Owen was small. <laughs> yeah, but Michael Owen was different, though. Michael uh, Owen was different. You knew, you knew from when Michael Owen was twelve, he was going to play. He, first is, team. he is big, that Balagazi, isn't he? Uh, that's the thing. He's a unit, like uh, Jesser and Raksaki is the one I want to see from Palace. He was on the bench in their last game. He's the one I want to see play. For them, um, very, very talented young player by all accounts. So they're the two. I'm going Liverpool to win 3-0. Yeah, I think if we keep Zaha quiet, it should take care of itself, especially if Bedtech is a doubt, would you say? Um, moving on then, Man City-Everton. Um, again, not much to play. What, what can Everton finish? Everton can get Europe still. Their away form, obviously, is spectacular this season, compared, especially compared to their home form, but Man City don't want to go into a Champions League final finish in the season as purely as they've done, really. No, two defeats in the last three. City very much eyes on the uh, the Champions League final. Everton, as you said, unbelievable away from home. 11 wins to six at home. Um, just a, two different teams. Everton will be without Gabamon, obviously, and um, James has another knock. He just seems to have a knock every other week. City, Canseo is suspended. Gundogan will probably miss this one because they won't risk him yeah. out of the Champions League. You're really hoping Aguero makes the bench just because it's his last Premier League game for them. It'd be nice if he even got you know 30 seconds on the pitch just to come on and you know mm. get get a, get a massive applause from whatever fans will be there. Uh, Walker and Sterling both doubtful. And if either are a major doubt, neither should play. Obviously, they should be rested ahead of um, the the Champions League final because they're two players they're going to need in that Champions League final. 
Uh, as far as young players go, Liam Delap for for City. He I know he's played already in the senior team this season, but I want to see more of him. Uh, Rory Delap's son. Um, oh yes, I like that. Get him on a very forward. talented young striker. Twenty four goals and five assists in twenty Premier League two games. Three goals and one assist in the EFL Trophy. Uh, he played one Premier League game for thirty nine minutes and one FA Cup game for fifteen minutes this season. But he has been banging in goals. He did score a senior goal in the EFL Cup. He played all 90 minutes and scored once. His goals per game record this season has been incredible. A goal every 72 minutes in Premier League 2 action. Prolific in front of goal. Really hoping he will do the right thing and choose Ireland over England. (laughs) Uh, He could play for either. He's born in England, but obviously his dad is a good Irishman. Um, His family hail from... County Donegal, where my granny hails from. So do the right thing, Liam. Pick the right side. Be on the right side of history. Him and Troy Parrott up front. I can have that for 12 years. I'll be fine. Um, For the Ev, Tyler Onyango, um, midfielder, 6'5", just a unit, a big (laughs) box-to-box unit, but really smooth, like doesn't, doesn't look like a donkey moving up and down the field. Looks like a proper athlete. Glides up and down the pitch. Um, he'd be the one for me. Get him in. Get it. Get get him a few minutes at least, and let's see what he can do. Um, he'd be the one I'd pick from Everton. Mm. Everton can obviously still get Europe. Um, where can they finish? They can finish any. They can finish seventh, can they? So they can. They can finish seventh. They can jump above uh, Tottenham. And given I've picked Tottenham to draw, mm. it is very possible. However, I'm also predicting a draw in this game because it's Everton. And when they have a chance to do something good, they do something bad. Uh, a remarkable gift to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, and actually, if this works out the okay, way I'm no. predicting, I'm saying this is a, uh, a 1-1 draw. I've got a draw in the Tottenham game. I've got Arsenal winning. That will actually mean that Arsenal end up 7th, Tottenham 8th, and Everton ninth. And if Leeds win, Leeds will be a point behind Everton in 10th. Be a mad so end that, of the season. That is, that is my 7 through 10. Uh, yeah, I, and I, you know, I think, I think it's a fair reflection on how these teams have played across mm. the season. To be fair, if if it's Eric Garcia and Aki at centre-back, Calvert-Lewin can just stand still and the ball will hit him in the head and go in. Yes, that is true. So it'll be interesting to see what centre-back play. But yeah, I think you mentioned Everton pretty much bottling every chance from top 40 Europa League and now seemingly the Vanorama. I mean, what what surely the Vanorama would be a great, a good experience for Everton considering such an up-and-down season. If they can get Europe, they should be happy. They should have gotten more. They should have been mm-hmm. challenging for top four. They should have been in the Europa League at the very worst. But if they can get this cup, and I mean, if you get into it, go and try and win it. Simple as that. That's whatever Premier League team mm-hmm. gets this Conference League spot, go and try and win it. Because there's nobody else going to be as good as you. Oh, yeah, if it's any of these three it. teams, Roma would be the best team in it, If, mm-hmm. as things stand. Go and try and win it. Yeah. Exactly. What have you got to lose? Exactly. 
Um, next up then, one for the Feast of the Eyes, the Sheffield United v Burnley, and I'm guessing your academy kid is just going to be that Jebison kid who's already playing. <laughs> um, no. No, I've got Sam Graham for... for Because uh, he's already in the team. Yeah. Jebison. So I've got Sam Graham for Sheffield United, a young centre-back, because they're a bit of a mess at centre-back and have mm. been all season. And I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see him get a goal. Um, they've obviously got, they, they've had a tough time with injuries and they've got um, McBurney out because he's got a, a broken foot and he's, you know, in trouble with the law. Jack O'Connell is out. Ampadu is out. Sander Berger might play, but he's, you know, they don't take any risks him because they want to try and sell him. Ollie Burke is out. Billy Sharp is out. And George Baldock is a doubt. That's quite a lot. Uh, Burnley, Nick Pope, unlikely to play. Robbie Brady is out. Bardsley's out. Stevens is out. And Long is out. This game reeks of a draw. Absolutely reeks of a draw. However, there is a chance of history. Sheffield United can, can make history by becoming the team with the most defeats in the Premier League season. Um, but I am going to say a draw. Josh Benson, by the way, is the player I want to see from Burnley. Former Arsenal Academy player, talented little midfield player, uh, very Burnley midfield player, hardworking, very neat and tidy, intelligent player, will fit in with Cork, Westwood, Brownhill, that group. Um, he's one I'd like to see get get a run here. Um, I'm going to say a one-all draw, and I think it's going to be a bit of a rough watch. Yeah, I mean, even if they were both at the peaks, it wouldn't have been the most pretty, but that, that one's on BT as well if you support either of them teams. So if you can't find it on Sky, that's where that one is. Um, Next up then, could be a fun game on paper. Uh, West Ham, Southampton. I mean, West Ham can drop into the Conference League, but if they draw, they're in the Europa League. Yeah. And so, where are Southampton? Southampton, Southampton are, 14th. are 14th. They've avoided They, they can jump 17th. Wolves. Right. That'd be... They can jump Palace and Wolves. The highest they can finish is 12th. But alternatively, they could end up, depending 16th. on how results go, they could end up 17th. If, no, sorry, you're right. 16th. 16th, yeah. So they could end up um, anywhere from 12th to 16th. I, it's hard to see West Ham not winning this game. West Ham have just done very, very well this season. I think they deserve sixth. I think they deserve Europa League football. Um, as I've said multiple times, I think Moyes is the manager of the year. Now, Mastawaka is out. Lanzini's unlikely to play. And Fabianski looks like he will miss out as well. Uh, Darren Randolph came in the last game, did pretty well. So um, I expect he'll start again. Getting Declan Rice back obviously was a big plus for them, uh, though it, he doesn't look quite right. It does look like he's been rushed back a little bit, or he is rushed back himself, mm -hmm. you know, to get ready for the Euros. For Southampton, Romeo could be back, could very much be back. There's, there's hope not, he'll make the bench. It's not worth it. Bertrand is out. It's not, but you, you, you know, you can't really say no to him if he's put in all the work to try and get back. That's true. Uh, Bertrand is out. He won't play for Southampton again. Smallbone is out. And it looks like Che Adams is going to miss out with a groin problem. So, um, Adams and Bertrand are, are big losses. They've gotten, like, they're going to play Jack Stevens at left back again. So that'll be, that'll be a path for West Ham to exploit. 
In terms of young players, Caleb Watts, uh, young Aussie midfield player, is the one I would say to watch for um, for Southampton. I think he is one that could get a run here. Was formerly of QPR, talented player. He's done well in the Premier League too this year. And for West Ham, Connor Coventry, um, a young Irish underage international, talented player, 21, deserves a bit of a run. Um, I think he, you know, he could see some some minutes next season, especially if they're in Europe. I'm going to say West Ham win the game. Two 0 two 0 to finish off their season, and what a brilliant season that'll be. Sixty five points that would give them uh, sixth place. Considering last season they ended up in sixteenth on thirty nine, that's a hell of a turnaround. And and it was only because they had a great end to the season last year that they even survived. So I'm going to say West Ham uh, win the game and end up in in sixth. I'm just surprised you didn't say the Swiss kid who likes two footing people <laughs> for Southampton. Uh, hopefully, he no. I think we've seen enough of him for the year. <laughs> ah, one more, just... one more game, he can end Declaration's Euros. <laughs> See that's um, that's the risk because then true. he just hammers somebody, and <laughs> the problem would be like if he if he did it to the wrong player, and it's not mm. just him, but like if any young overseas player did go in and absolutely just cut, you know, a, an England international in half and forced them to miss an international tournament, they'd never live it down. The media would just be out for blood. They'd have imagine to leave the country. For, they'd have to imagine, go play somewhere else. Imagine for father in drinking. Well, that's exactly. If Wesley Fofana goes through the back <laughs> of Harry Kane, like he would probably have to leave the country. Leicester will have to put him into witness protection because they, they, there should be outrage among the, the you know, th- those who wear flags as capes. <laughs> oh dear, I do hope he plays. He's, he's, it was funny that. But anywho, uh, last game then, Wolves-Man United, again, not much to play for me. Can Wolves move up? Not, but they can move down, as we mentioned. And United are second. And they've got, is it Europa League Wednesday? Wednesday. So I don't think they're playing anybody of any real importance in this game. I think we're going to see a team even weaker than the team that played against Leicester. Um, Oof. Which that'll, be, is, that'll be interesting. It's saying quite a lot, I know, but that's that's what I think is going to happen. I just don't see them risking anybody uh, that they will need against Leicester. Uh, and because there's nothing to play for here for either team, like if Wolves were third from bottom, I think they'd kind of be obliged to play a stronger team because then you'd get the other teams in the relegation battle saying, oh, well, they threw the game. There's nothing to play for here, so nobody cares. Harry Maguire... Unlikely to play. Martial, unlikely to play. Dan James is back. McTominay has a has a has a fitness test. Fred has a fitness test, and Phil Jones, of course, is out because you know because he's Phil Jones. Um, I don't think we see Rashford. I don't think we see Bruno or Cavani or Greenwood. I think Donny Van de Beek starts. I think Dan James starts. Ahmed Diallo starts. I think they go with a with quite a weak team. Um, mm. Wolves, Johnny Johnny Otto out all season, obviously. Well, most of the season, Pedro Neto that knee injury is horrific. Neto and Ezzy, 
two breakthrough players in the Premier League this season, both suffering horrendous injuries. Like Neto with the patella tendon, mm. as he with the with the Achilles tendon, just horrific. Two incredible young players. Um, Altazawi's out. Jimenez obviously remains out. They're hopeful he'll be back for the start of next season. And Daniel Pedence is done. He'll be back for the start of next season. So, uh, young players. There's a the kid that came on the the Canadian kid that came on for Wolves in the last game, uh, Theo. Corbeño, Romanian Canadian kid. His name's Theodore, and I just want to see a guy called Theodore oh, playing yes. in the league Teddy. as much as possible. We'll call him um, Teddy. He's a bit of a big grok of a striker as well. He's six two and he throws himself about. Beautiful. So get him in the team. Um, and then for United, there's two. So one of them is that Hannibal Mejbri kid. Yes, the best name who, in football. Uh, the best name and the best hair in football. Looks super talented from the bits I've seen. Looks absolutely super talented. And then the other one is Shola Shortire, who, again, just looks like a proper gifted young player. And United with him, Diallo, Greenwood, and obviously Rashford is only, what, 22, 23? And that young like, that's kid a... who played left wing the other day as well. What was his name? What was the left wing who started against Leicester? Ahmad? That's the one. Ahmad, yeah, Ahmad, Ahmad Diallo. No, no, the um, other one. Uh, was he Swedish? Oh, God, yeah. Um, oh, what was his name? I'll, I'll have to look that up now. Um, he did look very talented. He's mm. meant to be quite good as well. Here we go. His name is Elanga. That's the one. Yeah, Anthony Elanga. Um, 19, talented kid. Been at United now seven years, so obviously been well schooled and he's well thought of. Um, because they've had a few. I mean, did Chong leave? Was he on loan? He is on loan now. Where he's on loan, I can't. He's on loan at somebody. But he's on loan at Club Bruges. Yes. Is did Angel is Gomez still there? Angel Gomez went to. Lille on a free transfer, really? and I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's currently on loan at Boa Vista in Portugal. Yes, he's on loan at Boa Vista. Yeah, Chong was on loan at uh, Werder Bremen last at the start of the season, and for some reason his loan got cut short in January, and then he got sent on loan to Club Bruges. Now, he's done quite well for Bruges from what I can make out, and they are running away with the title. They've won the title. So, um, you know, congrats to him. He's he's going to have a league title. But yeah, United, I mean, United have a, have a ferociously good academy. Mm. Like, there's just players galore. It just rains talent. But this short-tire kid is meant to be, like, really special. Uh, Hannibal, they say, is the best attacking midfield prospect they've seen. And with Diallo and um, Greenwood, along with Rashford, they're they're going to be sorted for years and years. But you know what's weird, though, right, is we've heard multiple pundits say United shouldn't sign a striker because it'll hamper Mason Greenwood's development. Mm. Now, that's it's a fair enough comment, except Greenwood mostly plays off the right-hand side. Now, he can obviously move centrally, but they paid £30 million 
to buy Ahmed Diallo from Atalanta in the summer. Yeah. And Palestri plays, was money as well, wasn't he? But he p- plays predominantly... Oh, Palestri's the other great young attacker they have. Yeah, yeah. But Diallo plays predominantly off the right-hand side. Mm. And yet all you hear from these pundits is United need to sign a right winger mm. and block the path of this incredibly gifted player. Well, you're going to spend 80 mil on Sandro. Sandro's obviously great and it'd be a good signing for anyone, but surely their but idea is to buy before you become before Sandro. Before they become the 80 million yeah. pound player. Buy them when they're the 25, 30 million pound player. That's what United have been looking to do. Um, there was the Serbian kid Stefanovic, I think he ended up at City, yeah. but United came really close to signing him. The, the spoofer with the catchphrase actually announced that as done to United, <laughs> and then he ended up at City. So you know, uh, the expose on him is coming. By the way, there are people putting together in-depth expose on him, on how he steals stories, on how he goes about things, on how he waits for other people to report things. And then says it himself and adds like a little nugget of information that doesn't mean anything. And that is clear guesswork. So like, for example, when when Samare to, uh, to Leicester was breaking, he didn't break that story. That story came out of France. He then added to it by saying, oh, the contract is agreed since February. Nonsense. <laughs> Utter nonsense. And you'll always see, so this year, every time he talks about contract agreements, he will say he's going to sign a contract till 2026 because he always gambles and says it's five years because that is the standard contract. He, it's just a guess, but he is going to get exposed badly and it is coming. So just wait. There are enough people fed up with him stealing their work and taking credit for it and gaining. He's got nearly three million followers on Twitter simpletons unfollow that man straight away um and tell him to pay his interns um i've lost track oh yeah so diallo (laughs) like they're so worried about mason greenwood's path getting blocked but they don't seem to care about diallo's because mason greenwood is english that's the only reason they care is that greenwood is english and it would affect england diallo is every bit as talented as greenwood but they don't care because he's Italian and African and they just don't care. But United don't need to buy a right winger. United need to focus in on their youth. United need to buy a holding midfielder and a centre-back. And the article that came out in The Athletic today is just pure and utter propaganda. So according to The Athletic, United are going to sign the following. Declan Rice, one of Rafa Varane, Pau Torres or Jules Koundé, now, you'll note two of them are right-side centre-backs. One of them is a left-side centre-back. So it's a little bit strange. Uh, they're also going to sign either Jaden Sancho or Cristiano Ronaldo. And they'd like <laughs> to sign Harry Kane on top of that. So a little bit of rough maths. Kane is going to be 120 in add-ons. Uh, Sancho would be 85. There's 205. Rice will be 75. There's 280. And let's just say it's Kunde. That's another 85 million. They really think anyone believes United are going to spend 365 million pounds. Even if you take the cheaper options, what? Pau Torres 40. Pau Torres is going to be 52 million pounds. That's his buy. That's a release. Okay. Okay. I thought, right. I thought it'd be cheaper, but no. <laughs> Cristiano is, is the cheaper option. 600 in grand a week. 
600 grand a week. Now, he'd only cost maybe 35, 40 million because I think Juve would happily get rid of him. Uh, I, I think they've had enough of the Ronaldo experience. Mm. So, you know, and, and that is a signing that would pacify the fans. It'd be, from a footballing point of view, it's not a particularly good signing. But from a commercial point of view and a pacify the fans point of view, it's probably good. United fans obviously have been waiting for him to return from his extended loan spell, uh, which has seen him play for multiple clubs. But um, the, the propaganda, like Neil Ashton, uh, former terrible journalist, is kind of head of communications at United. And all he's done is he's, he did the same thing last year, rings around his pals in the media and gives them this information. It's all nonsense. <laughs> like, last summer, between him, the spoofer with the catchphrase, the fella in Germany that says true or not true, and Jan Agafjortoft, they spun a yarn about United been in for Sancho that was so far removed from reality it could have been made into a film. Like, it really could have been seen on the big screen. It might even have been a six-part miniseries. It was that complex, convoluted, and full of nonsense. And it'll be the same thing this year. United don't spend when they're in the top four. That is just how the Glazers work. I think they will get Pau Torres. I think they might get Cristiano. And maybe there's a cheap defensive midfielder that they pick up along the way. I don't I don't think they'll pay for Kane. The only way they get Kane, in my view, is if they send out Martial and maybe somebody else. I don't know who. Maybe Twanzebe. He could make sense for Spurs as a centre-back. If they get really excited, they could get Kane. I don't think they get Sancho. Cristiano's probably a stretch, but if he does leave Juve, United would make sense. But it will be him or Kane, not both. Mm-hmm. And if it's him, Kane will go to probably City if he if he leaves uh, Spurs. They're not going to get Declan Rice. There's mm-hmm. there's just there's not a hope they'll get Declan Rice. And um, I don't see them getting Kunde. I don't see them getting Varane. I don't I don't see Real letting Varane go. Not when they're letting. Uh, they look like they're letting. Ramos go. Yeah. I don't think they'll change both. And the Militao Varane pairing has actually worked really well. So I think they'll go with that. For this game, I think United rests most people. Like I said, I think they go young, adventurous, but I think they I think they get beaten. I'll I'll go with a, a two one um a two one Wolves victory. With Connor Cody to score the winner and Jamie Carragher to wax lyrical <laughs> about what a great season he's had despite massive evidence to the to the contrary. And Dave. That's it. No no no. It's not what? us. Breaking news. Oh no. That's Nuno's last game at Wolves. <gasps> I called that. I called that months ago. I said watch for Nuno to go in the mm-hmm. summer. I called that in the summer. I- if he is now available. He wouldn't be my pick, but if he's available, he could be one for he could be one for Tottenham. It's not very I think attacking. Newcastle <laughs> would be a better fit. I think he'd be a better fit for Newcastle. Mm. I don't I don't think he's a top six caliber manager. But I called that months ago. I said he will go this summer. So I call, I'm, I'm taking all the credit for that. Um that is that is mad to come out before the game. Good timing. 
Good timing at all. Right, well, that is the last Premier League prediction show of this season. We will be back, of course, with it for next season. Uh, for the summer, we'll have to find new and exciting ways to involve Mr. Drinkle. Um, but yeah, enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. If you're going to a game, just do me one favor. Just make as much noise as you can in a positive way. Because it's been 15 months. It's been a slog. It's been horrendous. Go enjoy the game. Make as much noise as possible. If you're going to see West Brom or you're going to see Palace, raise a jug of gravy in honor of Big Sam and Roy. Get the gammon out. See you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.